electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people make friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. It's my job, not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. I've spent the last 24 hours trying to get my head around why so many people lost so much money on just a handful of high-profile stocks. And I keep coming back to the idea that this is a force majeure situation, more or less an act of God that hardly anybody could see coming. But we need to survey the damage tonight on our last show of an amazingly bad stock market year. Even if today was pretty decent, Dow gaining 176 points. How about that, huh? S&P rising 0.59%, NASDAQ itching 0.21%. Maybe Santa is visiting. First, let's define the list of stocks I'm talking about. There were plenty of big cap stocks that got killed this year. So we'll limit the discussion to companies that were valued at more than 7 $150 billion at some point in the last 18 months. Get a load of these peak to trough situations, okay? Tesla, let's start with that. It has fallen 70% from its peak, losing $846 billion in market capitalization. And then there's Meta Platforms, formerly you know, Facebook. It tumbled more than 69%, losing $770 billion. NVIDIA! has shed 56% or $425 billion. Amazon sunk 55% from its peak, or almost $1 trillion. Alphabet dropped 41%, $798 billion. Microsoft is down 32%, which is $772 billion. And Apple has dropped 28%, a lot of money, $851 billion, but better than the others. That is a total. This right here is a total of $5.4 trillion dollars. In lost value, okay, $5.4 trillion, just an incredible amount of lost money, the likes of which actually I've never seen before. And chances are pretty good you lost money in at least one of these stocks. We certainly had some round trips here for the Travel Trust, but in retrospect, we were lucky to unload many of these at much higher levels. Why? Because we have rules. They simply became too big 
a portion of our fund. And discipline says you must trim when that happens. So we followed our discipline. These are the stocks where the most damage was done this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're still going to cause problems for next year, unless they get their act together, because there are fundamental problems here. Now, if you're like my charitable trust, you've held many of these for a long time. In that case, technically, you might not have losses, but you certainly missed a chance to sell your entire position at much higher levels like we did. Your gains are much smaller than they could have been. That's why I always tell you to buy and do homework, not buy and hold. Like the Graybirds say, why? Because buy and hold totally failed you here, with the possible exception of Apple, which fell a lot less than the others. And by the way, I think of all these has a much better chance of revisiting its old highs, even as I expect that Apple at the beginning of the year is going to have to give us an update that's going to be very sobering. But let me give you the reasons I can't blame anyone for what went wrong here. And no, it's not just because I didn't take all the gains when I had them for my challenge. It's more complicated than that. First, these seven stocks were all major components of the S&P 500. So if people chose diversification, if they took a responsible approach to managing their money, then by definition, they had some exposure. If you own an S&P index, a 500 index fund, you put money in index fund, you know, that's diversified, it's supposed to be safe, right? Um, they're responsible for a huge chunk of the losses, though. These seven big cap stocks peaked at various times in 2021 and 2022 at moments when people were contributing the most to their index funds, which meant each of these stocks got bid up too, too high. In short, part of this is because they were artificially elevated by the aggressive index fund buying. Can't blame anyone for that, but I will. But I am sick and tired of hearing people tell me that the index funds are the only way to go because the index funds really crush you because of these. Second, it's not like the people running these companies ever said, you know what, my stock is too expensive. It requires lots of things to go right in order to maintain these levels. Maybe they believe their stocks deserve their valuations. Others simply make a policy of never commenting on their stock price because they say that it's your decision, not theirs. I like that. I also like the Elon Musk said he might be done selling Tesla because his own selling slaughtered the stock. But then again, with the new electric fuel competition coming from Ford, GM, BMW, Tesla's still too rich for me. These guys have never faced any major rivals before, and now competitors will always hurt your margins. But it's a good company. All that said, there's nothing wrong with admitting that your stock is too high. So let me give you an anecdote that puts it in perspective. When the Street.com, which I founded in 1995, came public in 1999, it was a very hot market right then, kind of like 20, uh, 2021, okay, came in, 19, in 1999. It, it opened at some absurd level in the 60s, in the 60s, price at 19, giving the company a valuation of more than a billion dollars. This company is losing fortunes, and it valued my stake at $350 million. So what did I do? I called out the buyers and said, stop it. I said it was ludicrous. I said they were paying so much. I said I told my father and my sister to sell her. I told everybody that I said that to them. I urged people not to buy it because I didn't want to lose anybody money. And I knew the stock was a losing proposition up there. Sure enough, like so many of the last year's IPOs, the street didn't bottom until it sank to $2, at which point it was selling for less than its cash position, making a mockery of buy and hold. And that's what's happened to a lot of the 
joke 600 stocks to come public last two years. Third problem, the love affair with tech knew no bounds. At the highs, tech, media, and telco added up to 34% of the S&P 500. All sorts of ETFs were created to capture segments of tech, which funneled more money into these mega cap stocks. They were bogusly diversified. Fourth, the Federal Reserve played a role here, too. Not a good one. I'd argue that they were just doing their job. But on the way up, the Fed propped up tech valuations with basically free money. Then when it tightened, the free money went away and all these stocks got crushed. That's still happening. It's quite dispiriting. It's not going away. But it feels disingenuous to blame the Fed like so many people do. J-PAL never told you to buy Meta or Tesla and never told you to get out of NVIDIA. It was not his job. At the same time, Wall Street stoked the fire here with endless reiterations of buy ratings and price target bumps. Of course, they threw in some SPACs to make you really lose money. To be fair, the industry is always like this. though. They like hot merchandise. Most importantly, though, the companies themselves turned out to be unworthy of their valuations. Amazon can only grow to its $1.8 trillion valuation at the peak because its numbers were inflated by COVID. They still haven't gotten rid of the bloat there, which is why the last quarter was just so awful. Meta got way too high on advertising. That vanished when uh, things got tougher because Apple made it harder to track online behavior on their devices, making targeted ads less valuable. Apple cared about your privacy. Doesn't help that they're sinking billions into the metaverse without showing much in the way of results. Even when Mark Zuckerberg announced uh, other cost cuts, he refused to touch that metaverse spending. They have to figure out a way to get people to post more, too. Tesla was printing money when it had no competition, but that's no longer the case. NVIDIA had the best semiconductors in the world that, before the industry knows that. I remember we also said to China you couldn't have some of their best. Microsoft benefited from strong software sales and also strengthened the cloud infrastructure business, both of which are now slowing. Alphabet's ad-supported in a world where advertising is falling apart. Apple couldn't make enough product to meet demand because of its issues with the Chinese suppliers. Compared to the rest, it's actually a high-quality problem a problem nonetheless. Finally, I think the mega cap stocks were the ones people wanted because they love their products. So many people own an iPhone. Everybody uses Google. And what could be cooler than owning a Tesla? But that's rarely a good reason to own anything. It's a good reason to start to look at something. Now, if we see these stocks creeping back from the old levels all the way up here, then you know what? Let's remember that prices do matter. And we don't want to get burned the next time they get go too high and pull that Icarus act. Right now, we want cheap stocks of companies that make things or do stuff at a profit and return some of those profits to shareholders. Unfortunately, most of these big tech companies simply don't fit the bill. But here's the bottom line. Because Tesla, Meta, NVIDIA, Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, and Apple are all major components of the S&P 500, they'll be able to bounce the next time we get a nice rally in the Puerto Index. And I think we're going to have one. I think you should use that chance to pair back on mega cap tech, not get rid of them, but pair back. I bet you'll get a chance to buy them a little lower. I want to take calls. I want to go to Jim in Virginia. Jim. Uh, 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 a shivering. Oh, booyah, Jim. How you doing? I am doing well. How about you, Jim? What's going on? Hey, brother. I got my thermals on today. No doubt. All right. <laughs> Hey, to fund my retirement IRA, I have all the name brand mutual funds that I, that I feel comfortable with, but I also purchased stock GNRC at 230. It did it yes. did really well, but now I'm feeling about as cold about it 
as it is outside. Well, Jim, what's happened I, is a new sheriff in town. The Ford F-150 is going to be able to power your house in an outage just like the Generac. So I think people feel like if I got that truck, the best-selling truck in America, yeah, I don't need a Generac. And I feel the, actually I feel the same way. And that's why I'm thinking about getting one myself. All right, let's go to Parker in Maryland. Parker! Hey, uh, my, um, shout out to Mr. Marx's class. Booyah to you. And I just wanted to know about PayPal. Um, PayPal has a lot of competition and, you know, we lost a lot of money in PayPal for the charitable trust and believe it or not, we sold it at a much, much higher level. I still can't count this buying it. There's too much competition. But these mega cap tech stocks will be able to bounce the next time you get a broader index rally. And I think you might want to use that to pair back on your positions. I bet you, if you really want to, you can get a chance to buy them lower. Well, maybe tonight, the consumer discretionary sector was the second worst performer in 2022. So what can this year's performance tell us about what's going to happen in 2023? I'll give you my take. And Santa Claus, rather or not, does your portfolio have what it takes to handle whatever this market throws at it? We're playing in my diversified to see if your portfolio passes the test. And the communication services sector, oh man, did that struggle. And I'm setting you up for next year with two big ideas I think you should be watching. So stay with Great. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. We are so close to 2023, we can almost taste it. But if you want to prepare yourself for the new year, you need a thorough understanding of what happened in this one. And that's why we spent the past couple weeks running through every single sector in the S&P 500, highlighting the best performers and also some of my favorites that didn't make the cut. This has been a very difficult year for stocks, but there were plenty of winners if you knew where to look. And I know where to look and I know where to show you. 
At this point, we've been through nearly every sector in the SP 500, with two exceptions. The two worst performing groups, what's known as the consumer discretionary stocks, they were down 37%. And wow, here's a real stinking group the communication services stocks, which are really just another word for technology. And they're down 39%, more than that later. For now, we're looking at the consumer discretionary space. If you want to know why it's done so poorly, well, the answer's right there in the name discretionary. These companies are in the business of selling you stuff you might want, but you definitely don't need. You can say, you know what, I'll pass. That's definitely what, that's exactly, frankly, what, what people stop buying when the Fed rapidly raises interest rates. We head into a, a slowdown. They're definitely scared or possibly a severe recession that so many money managers are now expecting. And the individuals themselves are frightened to spend a lot of money. Of course, some consumer discretionary stocks did a heck of a lot better than others. Auto parts retailers discount retailers, some restaurants, some casinos. But most of the space has been just awful. Any expensive quick-serve restaurant has been crushed from Starbucks to Chipotle. Even though there's a travel boom, there's also an online advertising bus, which explains the weakness of Bookies.com and Expedia. The cruise lines have taken on the chin, and are, uh, they're at the near their, or near their lows after some huge runs in anticipation of the opening. Most apparel stocks have just done very poorly. VF Corp, one of my favorites, has been in such bad shape that stock's down 64% and they just announced a new CEO, Ben O'Dor, late of Clorox. The thing about the consumer discretionary sector is that it's not really a sector. It's kind of a grab bag of consumer-facing industries. You got the home builders in here, and while they're down big, they're better than the average for uh, than average for the group. Anything else related to home goods or a strong housing market has done a lot worse. Now, here's one that's odd. See, we try to figure out where's the auto, auto industry belong? Right here, okay? Other than the auto parts retailers, which can sell more product when people hold on to their old cars longer, these stocks have been obliterated. Both GM and Ford, and you know I like Ford, it's owned by the trust. They were down more than 40% this year. Thank heavens we sold a ton higher. Maybe the biggest story here is the huge declines in a couple of the largest consumer discretionary plays. Amazon down 49% and Tesla off 65%. That represents hundreds of billions of dollars in wealth destruction. Still, seven of these consumer discretionary stocks were up for the year. And I think there's a lot we can learn from them. And I also think they're going to have a good year next year. So why don't we start with the auto parts place? The best performer here was Genuine Parts, up nearly 26%. O'Reilly Automotive coming in third place, AutoZone in fourth. The last two are retailers, while Genuine Parts is a distributor for auto parts and industrial replacement parts. A lot of people feel it should be broken up. I think it's fine as one entity. Now, they crushed it this year for one simple reason. We had a car shortage. The automakers couldn't make enough new vehicles, and the price of used cars was very high until a couple of months ago because there just weren't enough to go around. And when you can't get another car, new or used, you're more likely to fix up your old one using parts from Genuine or O'Reilly or AutoZone. While used car prices are now coming down, and actually they're coming down pretty precipitously, and new car prices are definitely going to follow, that's because we're headed for a Fed mandate slowdown. In a slowdown, yes, the consumer has less spending power. So, once again, they're more likely to fix up their old car than buy a new one. So it seemed win-win to a lot of the big money managers. Best of all, none of these auto parts stocks are anywhere near expensive. They all sell for 19 to 22 times next year's earnings estimates. I think they all work here. I happen to like AZO, AutoZone, the best, because it's a great operator with the cheapest stock in the group and an awesome nonstop buyback. They've shrunk about half the float in not that long a time. Next up, the second strongest consumer stock discretionary stock this year was Las Vegas Sands. 
up nearly 24%. Took me by surprise. We know Vegas is booming, but LVS actually sold off their Las Vegas assets in February. Now they're exclusively focused on, on Asia, with several properties in Macau and another one in Singapore. Needless to say, Macau's not been good, a good bet this year. Uh, because of China's draconian COVID policy. However, Las Vegas sands came roaring back over the last couple of months once we realized China was ready to start opening up. That said, if you want a casino stock here, I'd much rather go with something that has less, uh, that has a real exposure to Vegas, not, not just China. I'd I, I like to go with Wynn Resorts, which we own for the Travel Trust, or MGM Resorts. Or you could go with Vici, that's right, V-I-C-I properties. The REIT I talked about on Wednesday that I like so much, that owns casino real estate. It's got a good yield. It's a member of the S&P 500. After the auto parts stocks in Las Vegas Sands, we've got Ulta Beauty. How much have I loved that stock? I've talked to you about that stock for a decade now, up almost 10, yeah, 11%. Remember, we just spoke with CEO Dave Kimball earlier this month, a few days after Ulta reported yet another strong quarter with nearly 15.15 same store sales growth, about the best I've seen, and a huge earnings beat. Kimball told us that he's just not seeing a slowdown yet. If anything, he's seeing a huge boost in cosmetic sales as people are going out again. They want to look good. But the rest of the business is great, too. Every single one of their categories grew by double digits in the most recent quarter. Plus, Ulta's cheap, selling for only 19 times next year's earnings. That's rather remarkable given its growth. I like it going forward, but if you got a big gain here, well, you know, I'm not going to tell you to be greedy. Beyond the top performers, I'm feeling very good about TJX. Young Brands, and Starbucks. TGX is the parent of TJ Maxx, uh, which we have right next door and I love, Marshalls, and Home Goods, which I think is terrific when you want to buy it's like place for Thanksgiving. It's my place. Uh, it, it's the king of the off-price space. We own it for the charitable trust because TGX is a vulture. It buys excess inventory with cash from struggling retailers who need to unload their old merchandise before they can bring in the new products so they can pay for it. And this year, they bought a lot of excess inventory. I bet... We, even, we see even more after the holidays because, you know, I think there's going to be some uh, retailers that may not make it. On top of that, because TGX's prices are so low, it's a winner every time consumers trade down during a recession. Next, Young Brands, parent of KFC, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut, is a great value proposition. Just as important, they've got plans for truly tremendous growth management, things they can expand from 54,000 worldwide locations to 100,000 over time. I believe it. Remember, they came on. I was blown away by their projections. They are doing really well. KFC, woo! Finally, don't forget about Starbucks, please. Another name recently bought for the Chapel Trust. Their most recent quarter was superb. They got impressive long-term growth targets. More important, they've been held back for ages by the endless lockdown in China as they've got a huge Chinese business. Now the Communist Party has dropped its zero COVID policy. Starbucks can make a powerful comeback in the PRC. Don't forget, they have figured out right here how to do cold brew, which is more important than hot brew these days at Starbucks. Here's the bottom They can do it a mess. Here's the bottom line. While most consumer discretionary stocks have been horrendous this year, we've had some pools of strength, too, and many of them can work in 2023, especially, write these down, the auto parts cohort, Ulta Beauty, TJX, Yum Brands, and Starbucks. Net Money's back here to the break. Coming up, survive the unknowns, thrive in any market. Kramer invites you to the game of games. Play Am I Diversified? Next. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. 
NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you want to know what I stand for this year? That all my viewers go into the new year with balanced portfolios. So to wrap up 2022, I want to play MI Diversified. This is where you call me, you tell me your portfolio, maybe your top five holdings. I tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough, maybe you need to mix it up a little, make some changes. So let's get started with a tweet. We're going to Jared on Twitter, who says, at Man Money on CNBC, at Jim Kramer, when I actually watched Booyah, Jim, my five companies are Airbnb, MP Materials, Tesla, Amazon, and Kotara Energy. And my diversified, thanks, Jim, Jared Washington. All right, now let's take a hard look at this. Some of these are, at, are members of my travel trust. Kotara is, that's a natural gas and oil company. Down and out at 25, I think if it's such a buy, it pays a really good deal. Amazon, well, what can I say? It's still the finest. They need to fire 100,000 people. I am not kidding, sadly. Tesla, very expensive stock. And I would tell you that it's down so much that I wouldn't mind you owning it. MP Materials makes the lithium that you need. To, uh, well, it makes, no, it makes materials, rare, rare earth materials that you need to make uh, cars like Tesla go. And then Airbnb, I talked lovingly about it this morning, saying enough already. There's too much selling. So we've got a hotelier, we've got an oil company, we've got a retailer, we've got an oil and gas play, and we've got a rare materials play. And that's what I call diversified. Why don't we go next to, ooh, maybe this is uh, Will Detweiler. I don't know. Let's now go to Surfer on Street. He's a big surfer. On Twitter, who says, at Mad Money, on CBC, and at Jim Kramer. Ready to go here? We've got Casco. Notice I say that because people say, you say Costco, and it sounds like Philadelphia, and so I'm trying. Costco, uh, Chubb, Wells Fargo, Flex LNG, Royalty Pharma, MI Diversified from Japan. I love the show. Japan! I mean, can you beat this? We got a Japanese guy surfer on the street. Let's go to work here. Okay. All right, so Costco, you know, I think is the finest retailer in the land. Uh, Chubb is the best insurer in the world. 
Wells Fargo, giant position for my charitable trust, is really undervalued. Royalty Pharma is a company that General Atlantic brought public that has got terrific streams of revenue. I think it's not being treated well enough. And Flex LNG, well, I've got to be sure about this. I think Flex LNG is the one that I like for, um, you know, well, it, it's, it's an LNG company. It's liquefied natural gas company. So let's make it liquefied natural gas, uh, drug royalty, bank, insurance, and retail. I mean, look, the guy obviously knows the stuff. You can tell right here, right? I mean, look at this. I like what he has to say. All right, next up, we have a video, and it happens to be from Tom in Florida. Tom! Hi, Jim. My name's Tom. I want to thank you and your team for taking my call. My top five holdings are Ford, Delta, Caterpillar, Devon Energy, and Plug Power. Am I diversified? Wow. It's a Bills fan. So I think it's important to notice that. Remember, because they lost four times. Okay. Um, Ford is you know, my favorite automaker. I make no bones about that. Delta is the best airline. I make no bones about that. Caterpillar, the best earth mover. Devin was we had him on for uh, we had them on when our travel trust had our meeting for the investing club. Best not best oil company and plug. No, too speculative. Not doing it. If you want if you want hydropower, we're doing L I N, which is Lindy. So we, we're going to have natural gas. We're going to have a chemical, we're going to have oil, we're going to have earth mover, we're going to have airline, and we're going to have auto, and that is going to be, as far as I'm concerned, perfect. Next up, oh, let's go to Patricia, who's local in New York. Patricia. Hello, Jim Crea, and booyah to you. This is Patricia Branch calling you. I'm a longtime listener and a fan of the Mad Money Show. Today, I have five stocks in my portfolio, and I'd like to know them. I diversify. They are the following. MCK, G-O-O-G-L. Also, S- um, Uber as well, and GNRC. And also, CVX. Thank you. And take care, Jim. And have a booyah! Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, right back at you. That's just she's got a really interesting portfolio here. McKesson stock I don't talk about nearly enough. This is a drug distributor middleman. They make a fortune. Uh, Google, you know, look, it's been one of my favorites since it came public at eighty-eight. Uh, Chevron is a terrific oil company. We sold the stock for the Travel Trust. Just been waiting for it to come down to go back. It will not come back. Generac, we're no longer fans of. Why? Because the Ford F one hundred and fifty we think does the same job as the Generac. So we're actually going to put Ford in there instead of Generac. And then we have Uber, which is obviously the transportation company. Transportation, auto, that's right, I'm making that switch. Uh, Oil and gas, information, and uh, drug middle person. I want to thank her for just a terrific, terrific conversation as far as I'm concerned, even though it's kind of more one way because it's really recorded ahead of time. I don't know if you know that. And lastly, we have William from my daughter's old, old home state of Oregon, William. Hey, Jim. Just want to wish you and your crew a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. My five biggest long-term holdings are Bank of America, Amazon, Apple, Ford, and SunPower. So, Jim, am I diversified? Really interesting. Okay, Bank of America, fantastic bank. We know that. SunPower, very, very good. I would still do Enphase. I would swap out of SunPower and go to Enphase. 
Apple, you know, own it, don't trade it. Ford Motor, a lot of people like it. I think next year's Ford's year. And then Amazon, which is the great retailer slash cloud. Uh, cloud you know, look, they do everything, okay, but they're, uh, Amazon Web Services is the real driver there. So we have retail, we have bank, we have auto, we have own it, don't trade it, and we have a solar company. And as far as I'm concerned, once again, is there anyone smarter than our viewer? I challenge you to find anyone smarter than our viewers. Mad Money is back after a Merry Christmas break. Coming up, Santa can wait. Time to communicate. Kramer dials into the best com stocks of the year. Next. the last couple of weeks going through every single sector in the S&P 500, shining a light on the best performing stocks in each group, along with some personal favorites. It's important to know where we're coming from here, because most of the things that made 2022 so brutal and will probably continue at the beginning of 2023 are, let's just say, not interesting, but we have to know about. In other words, this year's winners can help point the way to next year's winners, or at least they can tell us where to look. At this point, we've been through 10 of the 11 sectors in the S&P, according to the so-called Global Industry Classification Standard. That's what everybody on Wall Street uses. And we've done it in descending order, which means the last one's also the worst. Right here, right now, the communications services sector. Earlier, we went over the consumer discretionary stocks. They were down 37% for there. But communications services did even worse. These were down nearly 39%. Before we can break this group down, though, I mean, what the heck even are communications services? This one used to be called the telecommunications sector, but a few years ago they changed it to communication services in order to include any content that gets delivered over a given network. So you've got classic telecom companies, media and entertainment companies, some large internet companies. Needless to say, many of these have done terribly this year. Anything media is in the doghouse because these are ad-supported companies, right? And the ad market has fallen apart this year. The cable providers still need to deal with cord cutting, which happens every day. The entertainment group includes the three major video game publishers, all of which are co with a post-COVID hangover, not unlike members Zoom or Peloton. Then you've got Netflix and Disney, both of which have been humbled this year. Live Nation, which knows Ticketmaster, is now at war with Taylor Swift and her legion of fans. Bad idea. This w- would have been a can't-lose reopening stock, but now it's become a source of controversy. The traditional telco networks include some winners like T-Mobile. That's a great one some not-so-hot stocks like AT&T, and some major losers like Verizon and Lumen Technologies. Lumen happens to be the old century link. Finally, communication services includes interactive media and services, a a group that consists of three stocks. (coughs) Excuse me. Alphabet, Meta Platforms, and the dating platform powerhouse that is Match Group. Now, we already talked about Alphabet and Meta debacles at the top of the show, so we need to go into them again. As for the match group, it's one of the worst performers in the S&P. Again, anything ad-supported, oh, my God, these are so horrible, is having a really tough time. Sometimes I try not to look at the charts because they bias me, but sometimes they're so awful you have to notice. Still, even the worst-performing sector had a few winners this year for communication services. For instance, there are 22 of these stocks, the S&P 500, 17 of them are down double digits, and only three of them are up for the year, although one of those is because of a takeover. So instead of the top three, we're going to focus on the top four. We got T-Mobile, we got Activision Blizzard, 
Omnicon Group and AT&T. T-Mobile US is the best performer here. It's up more than 20% for the year. That doesn't surprise me in the least. Mike Sievert's doing a good job as CEO. For years now, T-Mobile's been the most best performing wireless carrier in America. At first, they were the low-cost carrier that ran circles around AT&T and Verizon. Former CEO John Leisure used to call them dumb and dumber. But the, the, like the diplomat that he is, he never told us which one was which. Then back in 2020, T-Mobile acquired Sprint, giving it the heft it needed to become an early leader in 5G. You know, we had to sacrifice network quality, take advantage of low prices. These days, they're still running circles around the rest of the industry. They're adding new wireless subscribers like crazy, and they're even using their 5G network to start offering home internet, too. Although that's still a very small part of the business, but it's something worth watching. At the same time, T-Mobile's targeting $5 billion in synergies from the Sprint deal still, which should fuel some tremendous earnings growth over the next couple of years. And hey, the stock sells for roughly 20 times next year's earnings estimates, so it's pretty darn cheap when you consider the growth if it can hit the numbers, and I believe it can. In second place, we got a strange one, Activision Blizzard. Uh, but this one needs to be asterisked because it's now a takeover story. Microsoft's in the process of trying to buy this video game publisher for $69 billion, assuming the FTC lets the deal go through. And that is a tall assumption, people. Microsoft's paying $95 a share. But, I mean, well, look. Look where the stock is, okay? 76 because the arbitrage guys, the people who try to do these deals where they buy the, you know, they, they short the comm, buy the stock, uh, well, let's just say the thing I'm most worried about with these guys, this deal, I think, will not get the blessing of the government. Now, I don't want to speculate on the antitrust regulation here, but if the FTC succeeded in stopping this deal, let me tell you what's going to happen. Activision is going to go down and then it's going to go up again. So depending upon what the FTC does and what do the courts do, I think you've got my blessing to buy a company that it would actually be higher if it weren't for this deal. Third best communication stock is one that it shocked me. Omnicon Group, up nearly 10% for the year. Let me tell you why I was blown away. Omnicon's one of the two major global advertising agencies. And virtually everything related to advertising has been crushed uh, as companies spend less on marketing when they see a recession coming. That's time-honored. That's what they always do. And that's why Omnicon stock got killed in the first half of the year. But they kept reporting great numbers, and the stock's come roaring back since July. How's that possible? Simple. Omnicon's not just an ad agency. They also do PR. They do commerce and brand consulting and precision marketing. That makes the business less boom and bust than it used to be. While Wall Street expects them to have a down year in 2023, uh uh-oh, they're only looking for a slight decline in earnings. Given that the stock trades at 12 times earnings next year, it's got a 3.5% yield. Tempting. Now, then again, I don't think it may not be worth the risk here. Why? As the advertising business is just going to get worse and worse as the year goes on if we don't get out of this Fed tightening cycle. In fourth place, there's ATT, down less than 2% for the year. Not too long ago, ATT was a down show. I mean, no, I should actually call it a clown show. Spinning off Warner Media for a big loss not too long after the acquisition, then hitting us with a dividend cut. Thanks for a lot. Thanks for nothing. But last quarter, they delivered a better than expected quarter and adding almost as many wireless subscribers as ATT Mobile at a time when Verizon's really struggling. I don't hate T. You know what? Here's how I'm going to describe it. I don't hate AT&T as much as I used to. Low bar. Although if you want a wireless stock, you really should stick with Best of B. You should go with T-Mobile. Beyond the top performers, there are only a couple of communication services stocks that I'm willing to stick my neck out for in this environment. And one is a bad one and one is a good one. And the bad one is Disney and the good one is Netflix. Disney's been a disaster under the leadership of now former CEO Bob Chapek. But now that Bob Iger's back, he was the CEO before Chapek and at the helm, I think things can actually turn around. I have faith 
Disney's still got some of the best franchises in the media. They haven't destroyed them. Marvel, Star Wars, ESPN. I mean, no matter what they do, these are really hard to destroy. And I kind of think they've done their best at trying to do so. They just need a good CEO to change the narrative. Meanwhile, the stock's the cheapest it's been since March of 2020. Stock has come down so much that it is too cheap to ignore, which is why we've continued to buy it for the Chapel Trust. Still, it's making me look very stupid, but I think that 2023 will be the year that I will look smart. Finally, I'm feeling better and better about Netflix, which was washed out earlier this year and has been steadily working its way higher. Uh, of course, it's still down more than 50% from the from this year, but it's rebounded hard from its May lows. What's changed? This spring, Netflix basically came clean and admitted they were wrong to resist the, an ad-supported model. They always hated ads. And then they told us they'd do a better job of balancing growth with profitability going forward. Plus, their subscriber count started growing again this past quarter, and the earnings look really good. Bottom line. In an awful year for stocks, communication services was the worst in the S&P 500, which is really saying something. Most of them are just plain out untouchable. But you got my blessing to buy T-Mobile because it's doing well, Disney because it's gotten too cheap, and Netflix because it's turning around. And that's really about it. Mad Money is back after the break. Coming up, what's in your mind, America? Give us a call. The lightning round is storming the NYSE. Next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski thanks. Mark in New York. Mark. Booyah. Booyah, Mark. What's going on? I want to know your thoughts on Eagle Materials, EXP. Why oh, Eagle Oh, man, I love Eagle Materials. We got so much money coming for infrastructure from the federal government. It's going to drown Eagle Materials, EXP. I like it. Let's go to Ron in Rhode Island. Ron. Happy holidays, Jim, from the smallest state in the union. That's well, okay. It's got a lot of great people. Jim Raimondo, she's one of my faves. What's going on? We see her all the time on your show. Uh, Why not? My question is on Healthcare Realty Trust, HR. Too dangerous. I don't like the medical trust. I just don't have that kind of level of faith that I used to have in them. We're going to have to stay away. Joe in New Jersey. Joe! Hey. Hey, hey, Jim, happy holidays. Energy Same transfer, to you. Merry what do you Christmas. Think? Which one? Merry Christmas. Energy transfer, what do you think of it? I have to, I never thought I'd say this, but Kelsey Warren's doing a good job, and I think it's a... That's like a lot of buys there. Three times three is nine. See, I got some younger helpers here. Let's go to Malinsky. Oh, you, I think you were talking about Congressman. Malinsky in Virginia, Malinsky. Hey, Jim, proud to be a club member. Hey, Apple has yes. such an ugly chart. Is it down almost 30% due it's to It's an ugly concerns? chart, Malinsky, because I think at the beginning of the year that I have to explain to people that they weren't able to get enough product for Christmas. I'm still urging people to own it, don't trade it, but I accept the fact that it's going lower before it goes higher. Now we're going to David in Iowa. David! Hey, how's it going, Jimmy? Couldn't be better. How about you? Good. I was thinking about buying a stock, MATV, at 18 for retirement health for my kids. They're about 20 years old. What do you think? It's a profitable company. It's not It's not very high. But we're going to do this. We're not going to opine and just say, fine. We're going to do some homework, and we're going to come back to you. That's our plan. Nothing like it. Let's go to Fred in California. Fred. Hi, Jim. 
first time caller, member of the club. Thank you. Yes, for all thank the work you. you do. We're doing I the club. Up. The club rocked. <laughs> I was wondering what your thoughts are on mosaic. I think mosaic is like the fertilizers. Forty percent fertilizer comes from Ukraine, Russia area, and therefore that's been kept back. I still think the fertilizers work. I am not giving up on them. I need to go to Todd in my home state of New Jersey. Todd. Hi, happy holidays, Jim. How are you? Merry Christmas. What's going on? I am asking about your thoughts on one thing I have here. Celebrate. CLBT. What do you think? Um, this is a company that has got it, it's got great defense, you know, great digital data investigation. But it is so it, I, I do not understand how the P.E., the price earnings ratio is just so high here. And then next year low, I'm going to take a pass. Need to do too much more work on it. Let's go to Sheila in Illinois. Sheila. Yeah, Jim, this is Sheila in Chicago. Uh, long okay. time viewer, both the morning and evening shows. So thanks thank for you. all you thank do. You. Uh, my my question is about SoFi Financial. All right, I uh, think that SoFi is finally going to be Anthony Noto's year. I genuinely believe it. I think he's going to be able to pull it out of the fire. $4.60, I think, goes to five and change. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, happy holidays, Kramerica. Naughty or nice, Kramer shares a sleigh full of wisdom next. Last year, we lost the bouncers. Being a publicly traded stock used to be an elite thing. There was an invisible velvet rope that you couldn't cross without some sort of pedigree, some level of staying power, some sign that you were more than just a name. In 2021, though, they took down the barriers. Anyone was allowed to come public. The amount of money that was lost, it was so absurd that it would be hilarious if it weren't your money. We have 160 companies that came public last year, and their stocks are going so low that I'm not even allowed to mention them on air. Aside from the Chinese scam stocks, the big commonality among the American disasters from the class of 2021 is that they were insanely speculative. They were either biotechs with nothing to offer or companies with enticing brands and not much else. Many, many years ago, a fabulous money manager by the name of Peter Lynch wrote a book called One Up on Wall Street, Still Holds Up, where he described how to invest in the stocks of companies you like. You discovered, for example, that a company that made hosiery called Legs was made by Sara Lee, at that time a big food company. So then you research Sara Lee, you make a judgment on whether you should buy it. Research back then was hard to get. You had the annual report, maybe a broker with a research report. These days, there are so many reports and articles at your fingertips that it's so much easier to figure out if something's worth owning that you have no excuse. But just uh, like back then, it's not enough to like the product. Hey, listen, I love Traeger's Grills, but if you bought the stock for that reason, you would have been obliterated. During COVID, lots of people grilled outside because it was a safe way to socialize. Now that we're in post-COVID territory, there's a lot less demand for grills. Traeger went from a winning company to a money-losing company in no time flat. And that's how its stock could go public at 18, go to 32, and now plunge it two bucks and change. Remember those lines around sweet greens and how those really cool Hoya guys behind the company came on air? Hey, seem like a compelling brand, right? But the company's losing boatloads of money with no plans to turn a profit anytime soon. 
Unfortunately, those Georgetown gentlemen used coming public as a branding opportunity. So Sweet Green Coast Public at 28 searches to fit six and plummets to under $9. Just not even enough to pay for their super green goddess salad for $9.95. A whole generation of people were brought uh, into the markets by an app that made socks come to life. Uh, almost turning the process by investing into you kind of like a Super Mario thing, a video game. If you went by the name Robin Hood, because, well, why not? They wanted to imply that you'd be taking money from the rich and redistributing it to yourself. Well, what a great concept. Turns out you were redistributing your own money to whoever was on the other side of the trade. As Robin Hood came public at 38, shot to 85, and is now back to just under $8. The house of pain. And don't even get me started on the publicly traded cryptocurrency stocks. Coinbase was supposed to be the safe place to put your stash, stash of crypto, right? On the day of its direct listing, its stock opened at uh, 381, soared to 429, and then notice I have the $35, where I have to tell you, it is on incredibly shaky ground. Let me throw in Binance there. I'll give you a twosome. Hey, sometimes you just want to buy what seems to be cool that people are talking about, like Warby Parker, glasses, or shoes that have the name Bird in them, the latter now being too small to discuss. But Warby Parker went from a first trade of 54 to 60 before plunging to $13 a change. You can buy a pair of their glasses for about seven bucks. No, seven shares. Sorry. Remember when everyone wanted the next Tesla? The brokerage firms tried to give you Rivian, Lucid, QuantumScape, an electric vehicle battery play. Rivian comes public at 78, jumps to 179, and is now uncomfortably at 19. Lucid was at one time one of the few decent SPACs out there. Stock goes from $10 to 64, but it's now at six and change. QuantumScape actually had an exciting story. They were trying to revolutionize electric vehicle batteries. So the stock goes from 10 to 132, but then Wall Street turned against speculation, and it sinks to five and change. There are dozens upon dozens of these newly public similar stocks, and I got to tell you, with similar trajectories, as I said, 160 of them are now, they're just too small to talk about on air. They are carbon copies of the junk that came public during the dot-com era. We all figured it would never happen again. I guess if you wait 20 years, people forget, and we're all the poorer for it. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next year. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 